Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ninjas and Bots, a comics book podcast which covers the IDW Transformers and Ninja Turtles in an alternating schedule. Our episodes are released on Saturday mornings, just like our favorite cartoons. I'm Lane. And I'm John. And today we are starting a new story arc in the Transformers. John, take it away. Um, I'm super excited because we're getting into a new miniseries. Uh, we did Infiltration, and that mm-hmm. was great. And now yes. we're doing Stormbringer, which is so different. It really <laughs> is. Um, and it happens not, concurrently with Infiltration, doesn't it? Yeah, they overlap in plot. Now, I read somewhere, I think on TF Wiki, that originally the plan was to have this mini come out after Escalation, and it was going to inter- interact with the events of Escalation, but then that was changed. So I'm not entirely sure exactly how all that went down because it seems like in infiltration, they were doing stuff that was going to tie into Stormbringer. So I don't know. I don't know, but that's okay. We have um, our first issue of Stormbringer, which was released on July 19th, 2006. Uh, Side note, this is only one week after infiltration six because infiltration six was delayed. They were coming Mm -hmm. out at the end of each month, and it did not come out at the end of June like it was supposed to. Um, Somebody didn't meet their deadlines. Right? But we have a different artistic team on this one, so they're able to catch up. There are two covers, as usual, both by Don Figueroa and colored by Josh Burcham. The first one is a wraparound cover. Uh, Jetfire and several Technobots in space above Cybertron are featured on the front. But if you unfold it, you'll see they're facing off with several bestial Decepticon pretenders, and those guys are backlit by some glowy space light orb thing. Um, I sent you this cover. What do you think about it? Oh, I need to open it back up again. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Let me see. Uh, Let me see here. Hold on just a second. While you're getting that, I'll just share my thoughts. I feel like this immediately shifts the focus of the story, because instead of having characters you know individual people on the covers and whatever we have like this big space battle which is a very different tone to what we've had before yeah hold on, i have to your little uh, the floating box of skype is in the way so that i still trying to open it hard on i should have had it open but i completely it's okay it. we don't usually have in-depth conversations on the covers i just um okay there we go <clears throat> it looks it has such a different feel than the B cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost still has that, um, like the cell animation style. Right. Like the, it, it, and I love that Jetfire is there because I love him. Having Jetfire big and center on the front is great because I also have a soft spot for him. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll kind of touch base on um, his origin story like how he came to be in the old Marvel comics versus mm-hmm. him being here. Um, it's quite different, but yeah, he's, it, it's really a cool cover. I love that. It's a wraparound. Um, wraparound covers are neat and they feel mm-hmm. kind of like uh, momentous. Yeah. But yeah, lots of stuff going on there. Um, I did mention that there are technobots and pretenders. I should point out that in the storyline, those groupings don't really exist yet. There are no combiners, as far as I know in the continuity um, and pretenders aren't really a thing either. So, uh, but 
that's how we recognize the characters as, you know, the toys that they are. So that's how I describe them. Yeah. Um, and I didn't notice like in the lower um, right hand area, that's they're kind of hovering over Cybertron, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. They're they're in space over Cybertron. That's cool. Now, the second cover shows our mysterious threat of the story, Thunderwing, in fiery, hulking, glory, and menace. That's such a cool name, too. Thunderwing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds evil. Like, if I had a Transformers name, I'd be like Thunder Thighs or something, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be Thunder Steps as I <laughs> clump through the, the house. Thunder Snore. Um, but thunderwing's interesting concept he's not a super amazing toy he's kind of cool i mean he's not bad but um in the latter part of the original marvel series simon Furman seemed to really take a liking to him and made him a big bad there and he is once again playing a big bad role here um so yes getting into the story okay no helpful cast of characters nope there's there is an opening text page but it's more of a um a big old picture of Cybertron with a caption at the top, which I'll read here in a second. But yeah, um, speaking of characters, there are a lot. For countless years, civil war has gripped Cybertron, an escalating series of conflicts between the heroic Autobots and the evil Decepticons that have shaken the planet to its core. So focused on each frontier or beachhead, neither faction spared a thought for the planet itself and the untold damage they were doing to it and to their future until now. Or until whenever all the horrible events happened in the past, because that's whenever they messed up Cybertron and now they're going back to visit. I had a moment with that image of Cybertron. I was like, that's not its actual size, is it? Because it's very little prince and then... Yeah, then I realized it was kind of a um, a stylized depiction of Cybertron, and it wasn't actually that small. So <laughs> carry on. Everything is small if you're far enough away. It's just true. So throughout this issue, we get memories, kind of like fever dreams from Optimus Prime. And we open on his memory of some huge calamitous figure emerging from a raging howling storm that the transformers have brought down upon themselves. But our actual story begins with the Autobot science survey vessel Kalabiao in orbit around Cybertron on the bridge. Jetfire is in command. Nose cone picks up on an energy trace far below the surface of the planet, which is weird because in this version of the transformers, Cybertron is dead, dead, dead and abandoned. So Jetfire is like, oh, we got to go check this out. He gathers all the Technobots crew to discuss what it might be. This includes Afterburner, Strafe, Scattershot, and Lightspeed. And I do not know who is who. I had to look at the pictures of the toys every time I wanted to refer to who was happening to what in the storyline. So I do not have this knowledge. I totally cheated. But here we are. Um, The readings are showing something like Energon, but more so. Like it's been enhanced by contaminants from outside the planet, maybe some random impacting elements in the past. So they wonder if Cybertron is healing itself. And Jetfire decides to take three of the Technobots down to the surface to investigate. Now, the surface is a wreck and a ruin, and it's covered in harmful radiation, so they have to rotate their personal shield harmonics to stay safe. The gravity is also far below normal, and Jetfire is keeping in touch with Afterburner Nosecone back on the ship because, you know, things are not safe. But the comms are spotty. 
so he asks them to send down a locator pulse for them to follow to find the Energon pocket. And as they follow it, they get to this huge place where Lightspeed realizes, quote, this is where it all spectacularly fell apart. This is Thunderhead Pass, a huge, jagged ravine, a gash in the surface of the planet. There had evidently been some sort of maelstrom here back in the day where they never did recover a body. Now, Optimus Prime also remembers... um, being a body, uh, you know, almost dying in a heap of rubble. And in his memory, Megatron is encouraging him to get up and fight. Their adversary has breached the siege wall. Um, And we see Optimus Prime in the present day on a space station. Searchlight pulls him from his reverie to tell him they're getting a pulse wave message from Earth. Hey, we know that place. There's a Decepticon infiltration unit. Hey, that sounds familiar. They have previously... Uh, prematurely rather engage siege mode we know about that optimus says let's monitor the situation but then he descends back into his brooding over that shadowy flaming adversary back on cybertron scattershot is having misgivings about their investigation if this is the place where it all went down maybe they should leave well enough alone but jetfire belays that because before they didn't ask the right questions and things went bad he recalls being in this like virtual conference of floating uh, skype heads um of the various scientists from both the autobots and the decepticons coming together regardless of the fact that they're on opposite sides of the war thunderwing is there he makes the point that their war has killed their planet cybertron is dying beyond its ability to self-repair Soundwave is also one of those in attendance, and he rejects the notion in probably a metallic monotone. Thunderwing calls Soundwave a fool and says, you know, something menacing. Back in the present, Jetfire is thinking about how they were all fools back then, and gaining more knowledge today can only be the right course. So they launch a probe into the Thunderhead Pass ravine. Scattershot points out there's an approaching particle storm and they really need to get gone. So they start packing up because they can just study the probe's telemetry back on the Kalabiyao. But out of the darkness, a blast hits light speed in the gut. The Autobots can only see hints of shape and color from out of the storm. Some sort of light warping armor is concealing their attackers. Strafe takes a hit through the chest. The other Autobots start firing wildly into the storm, but Jetfire realizes their weapons fire is just aggravating all of the reactions that are causing the storm. So whether due to the storm affecting the invisibility armor or due to artistic license, we, the reader, begin to see more clearly the Decepticons who are attacking jetfire realizes their personal shields are shot and their systems are overloading due to the storm he and scattershot are the last to go down with some sort of lances being thrust through their chests by the decepticons and a materializing decepticon orders to take the autobot ship down so back in orbit, Nosecone and Afterburner see missiles coming at them from the surface. Nosecone barely has time to launch a distress buoy before the Kalabi Yao explodes in space. Optimus Prime 
continues to remember how their destruction of Cybertron helped to create this adversary that he and Megatron and other Autobots and Decepticons are being faced with. He remembers they were apparently successful in destroying the adversary as Cybertron seemed to open up and swallow him whole. But some threats don't stay buried. And Optimus expects they will soon again hear the adversary's name. Speaking of which, Jetfire awakens to the sound of a name being said over and over. He looks around and sees his friends are in some sort of energized tube casings, and several Decepticons are shouting at the towering, seemingly inert form of Thunderwing. Thunderwing! Thunderwing! And that's Stormbringer number one. And this is one of those issues that I really didn't follow very well on the first reading. Yeah. It, I'm not entirely sure I fully got my brain wrapped around it until having to write up the recap. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot's going on and, oh, it kind of adds to the confusion, I suppose, that we feel along with the others seem to know what's going on, but they also kind of don't know what's going on. And that's how I felt a little bit reading this, but it's still really cool. It was very cool. There's a lot of really neat ideas. And yeah, they have the benefit of memories that they're based, that they're able to like, you know, link to, to compare current events to, but we don't have those memories because we did not fight in the cyber. I didn't fight in the Cybertron war. I don't know if you did, um, but I was not there. So, um, but it, and they're it, just yeah. Oh, sorry, there's so many faces that mm-hmm. don't get names in the script. Yeah, and one thing, the part of the confusion was it would start to lead you down a path and then leave you hanging to kind of make your own conclusion before you come back later and realize you were wrong. <laughs> um, at least that, that's just, that, I mean that I don't know if that happened to you. That happened to me quite a few times. Well, it, it, and yeah, because sometimes in scene-to-scene transitions, Furman would use segues to conceptually link ideas that were at least what he would seem to be doing so, but then they weren't actually being linked. Like when he talks about recovering a body, and then we see Optimus Prime's body half-buried in the rubble, those aren't the same body that they're talking about. <laughs> That's exactly the example I was thinking of, is that, you know, there was a body never recovered, and I was like, and I wrote down Optimus Prime's body, and then a dash, nope, <laughs> because, you know, that was my initial guess, and then... I'm pretty sure they were talking about Thunderwing with that body, right? right? The ad- the adversary. Yeah. Um, I do love the flashback of Megatron and Optimus Prime having to work together, and that Megatron yes. is the one like waking Optimus Prime up. So that kind of gives the idea that you know this adversary is big enough to make Megatron swallow his pride to get assistance from Optimus Prime. Because if the roles were reversed, it would feel different. Of course, Optimus is going to wake up Megatron and call on him to help. But having mm-hmm. Megatron wake up Optimus to call on him for help, you're right. There's a pride swallowing. There's an acknowledgement that they're needed in ways mm-hmm. that feel different if it were reversed. Um, so, yeah, the war has been raging between Megatron's and Optimus's factions for however long it's been going on. Hundreds of years? I don't know. Five weeks? I don't know. Um, but whatever it is about Thunderwing that is so awful, they have had to band together against him. Mm-hmm. Which I, I thought was a really effective way of 
giving us the gravity of the situation before we even see Thunderwing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 kind of weird because we we as Transformers fans have the background schema of the Cybertron War, but as a story that is being told, there's not a lot of information that has been said about the Cybertron War. Very little in fact, has been said to this point. So um, a completely new reader to the mythology might not understand really what's going on as far as, you know, the opposite factions coming together here. So our first exposure to the Cybertron War in any detail is Optimus and Megatron are helping each other fight Thunderwing. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Someone coming into this new would be even more lost than we felt initially here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least, at the very least, they're getting different ideas than what maybe, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Though I, I did like the idea of Cybertron healing itself. I never thought about that. Because um, yes. we know, we know, you know, they have naturally occurring gears and levers, basically. But for <laughs> some reason, I never really put that onto the planet as well. We can see the the planet is... Uh, like chrome based or metallic based as well instead of carbon based and it just never occurred to me that yeah you you can gouge great holes and things in earth and it takes time but eventually nature kind of reclaims or you know heals itself around that and it ne- i never made the connection of cybertron doing that as well and i think it's really cool and in the in the various earlier versions of the story you had either primus as like this god at the heart of cybertron or vector sigma as this benevolent force um that you know is the source of energy that makes cybertron alive um we don't know exactly if either of those concepts is getting used here but there is some sort of living energy that cybertron was able to heal itself they have ravaged it beyond its ability to heal itself but now, however long it's been later, it's starting to maybe recover. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. Because Cybertron Cybertron was mostly dead in the G1 cartoon, the original yeah. cartoon series. We only went back to Cybertron, you know, occasionally in the first two seasons. And um, I remember some sort of acidy rain. Mm-hmm. And Shockwave was just kind of there looking over, you know, a wasteland. We did see, like... The episode with the female Autobots, the only female Autobots, how they're still trying to fight the war. And I guess in season three, there's a lot more going on with Cybertron because they're able to recover it in, in, in the movie. But in the Marvel comics, the war never ended. Mm. Optimus and Megatron came to Earth and you know slept for four million years. But things are still going strong <laughs> back on Cybertron. There's cities and hideouts and people and, and it's it's a world. It's not a great place to live because of the mm-hmm. war, but it's it's still the world. It's a long ass war too. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but this takes the dead Cybertron to a further degree that I that I'm used to seeing. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say searchlight. I love that he has little headlights for toes. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> he is cute. He is actually um, of the same toy line as Runabout and Runamuck. Oh, okay. He is a Throttlebot, one of those that you pull back and t- it has a little motor and it runs in whenever it hits the ground, hits the wall, it pops into a robot and comes back at you. Oh, that's cute. So, yeah, he's one of those guys. <laughs> um, but if you picture him as being run about and run amok size, Optimus is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, then- speaking of new characters, we do have the Throttlebots as Jetfire's crew. 
which I think is cool because they're not sorry, not Thronobots, Technobots. They're Technobots as Jet Fire's crew. They're all scientists. Um, yeah. And so having them as a science vessel studying Cybertron, I thought was a neat grab. Yeah, I really like that. I, um, <laughs> Optimus Prime, I love him kind of in this brooding mood a bit. Maybe it's just my Batman fandom coming out a little bit. But I love this this um, internal dialogue or monologue he has. The vertiginous descents into my own personal purgatory persist. Even the, <laughs> even, even the business of running a bitter war of attrition does nothing to stave off the dark, foreboding fracturing of my psyche. I see right. the end. I see the end. But the shuddering, lurching instant brings scant comfort, for I know deep down it never ends. And if that's not the best way to describe a Wednesday, I don't know what is. Right. This is definitely yeah. Um, Optimus Prime inner monologues in Ferminian purple prose. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. And we don't know what besides storytelling convenience has reminded Optimus of Thunderwing at the very same moment when the other Autobots are discovering Thunderwing, mm-hmm. unless their mission on the Kalabi Yao is something that Optimus Prime is 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 very much aware of. Maybe them going off to investigate things. He, maybe he, that's why he's thinking about it. We don't know. Because uh, honestly, Optimus Prime's storyline on the station, there's nothing in the story to connect it to what's going on with the other Autobots. Yeah. I do like, like I was with Scattershot in this one when he's like, you know, since everything started here, maybe we should leave stuff alone. Like, yeah, listen, <laughs> listen to Scattershot. He's, uh, he's right. got a good idea there. But, um, but the, the whole, and you might agree with me, I, this whole issue to me felt like an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. I can I can see where that might be. Talk more about that. So just the going to a, like a strange planet, well, not strange to them, but like a strange situation on, on a planet, some sort mm-hmm. of, of adversary that they are having to explore on a scientific mission. And then uh, things go wrong and people get captured. Yes, and then you have the captain, a.k.a. Uh, Optimus Prime, up there doing his uh, purple prosy captain's log and talking about, you know, the, the shuddering, lurching instant brings scant comfort. But I don't know, it just, <laughs> it just had a, for me, it had a feel of some of the, uh, like, later seasons of Next Generation when it, when it yeah. kind of had some nice, cool, dark episodes. But that was the just... The cards getting broody on the ship while Riker and the OA team are, are dealing with stuff, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> um, a few random details on the planet. They say that the gravity is three G's below normal, which I thought was kind of strange because wouldn't normal gravity be one G by definition? So um, they should be kind of floating, bouncing around. I don't know what negative gravity would be. Cause if one G minus we have negative two gravities, they're being thrust away from the planet. <laughs> <laughs> mm, good point. Hmm. Or maybe maybe they measured their gravity in something else. Maybe they decided that 10G was standard gravity, not 1G like we did. Um, did you notice that Jetfire has two different faces in this? He uses a face mask on the planet that is reminiscent of his Robotech toy design. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, so just, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We can take a moment since Jetfire is kind of, you know, the key guy here. And this is his first appearance. Mm-hmm. Um 
So for those who don't know, whenever Hasbro made the Transformers line, they took toys from mainly from two different Japanese toy lines, the uh, the um, the Diaclone line and the Microman line, both produced by Takara. And so that's why you have like vehicle toys, but you also have like tape decks and, and, and other stuff. Um, but for whatever reason, randomly, Jetfire is pulled from the Macross toy line the that we in uh, the States know as Robotech. And so he looks very, very different to all the other Transformers. Mm-hmm. I had him. Did you? I had, a, I had a Jetfire. I had an original Jetfire metal with all of the red armors that you can fit or not fit onto him. And uh, he was very, very cool. I liked him a lot. And I wish nice. I still had him. Well, I kind of like what they did in the 80s Marvel. Um, and I suppose it was a way maybe to explain why he seemed different from the others. Because wasn't he brought to life by uh, Buster Witwicky. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, you'd have to go back, listeners, to to read. It, it wasn't very far in, like, what, maybe 15 issues into the series uh, where Buster has the... Um, he has the creation matrix in his brain. Yes, the creation matrix, yes. And he just whips together Jetfire at some point. Um or, so brings I, him, or I think the Decepticons build him, but right, Buster Whitley yeah. brings him to life, which is because both in the cartoons and in the comics, but in different ways, mm-hmm. there's the is Jetfire a Decepticon or an Autobot kind of thing. Like he has a transition of allegiance there. Yeah, which was really cool, actually. Yeah. Now, they called him something different in the UK version. What was that? Was it like no, Starfire? He's, he's Jetfire in the comics, but he's Skyfire in the cartoon. Because thought, they changed his visual design so much in the cartoon, uh-huh. they gave him a different name. Um, um, okay, I thought he had I a believe- different name in the UK version of the comics. but I could be mistaken, but I think he's Jetfire in the comics on both sides. Um, but he in the comics, he looks like his cartoon redesign. He does not look like the Robotech toy. Um, but in the cartoon, they call him Skyfire. In the comic, they call him Jetfire. In this, he's Jetfire, and he looks more like his original toy design. And I really like how, cause he has those like red things that stick up mm-hmm. that on the toy were just part of his, like, I don't know, red armor or whatever, but they like rotate over his shoulders and turn into cannons. Oh, and that cool. was a really cool moment. Yeah. <laughs> in this well, one of the later pages. Um, but yeah, I really like Jetfire. He's, he's one yeah. of my faves. Yeah. Um, we, we do have the continuity lineup with infiltration issue three when Ironhide sends the pulse wave because Ratchet has found stuff. And even though Prowl says don't contact Prime, Ironhide does. And Prime gets that message here. Mm-hmm. And he's just yeah. like, monitor the situation. <laughs> because we have three more issues of this story before we can start lining up with the, what's going on on Earth. Yeah. So in the... This the stormy area where they kind of come to after the the electrical shocks they're getting. Are those ghost images? What did you say those were? So those are Decepticons wearing invisibility armor of some sort because it's, oh. it's, it's reflect refracting the light around them. I see. And yeah. uh, we we don't at first we get just like hints of color, but as the scene continues, we get more and more solid images of skull grin and um. I always forget their names because I watched the anime. And so I know these guys as blood and, um, you know, their, their names are different in the anime. Um, but they're 
toy names and their comic names are I have them written down here. Skullgrin, Finback, Bombburst, and Iguanas. And Bludgeon is the one in control or in, in, in command rather, whose foot materializes at the bottom of that page. Page okay. twenty one of the collection. Yeah, I was a little confused by what I was seeing for sure. Okay. Yeah, so those are all in the toys. They're all pretenders. Uh, the pretenders are the toys that have like uh, robots that transform, but also monster shells that they fit into. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not entirely sure exactly what they're doing with the storyline as far as to explain them, because on the last page, like you look at them and some of them look like monsters, but like yeah. sort of robotic. That's why I was thinking there was some sort of ghost image. That, uh, yeah, I, it was very odd. So in Intri- toys, Intriguing, but odd. Right? Intriguing, yeah. And the toys, the monster forms are the shells. And the robots look more like, you know, traditional, if nondescript, Transformer robots. So I'm not sure if they just, these monstrous forms are their robotic forms. I just don't know exactly what they're going to do yet. We haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. Um. By the way, Thunderwing is enormous. He's very large. Yeah. He is, he is a big. And I don't know, he didn't used to be that big because in the scientist uh, Skype conference, he's just a regular Transformer. So whatever happened to him that we're going to, I guess, find out about more as we go through Stormbringer um, made him get larger. I do like that scientist conference, the idea that all of the scientists from both sides would come together. Um if anybody wants a roll call, we have, um, let's see, Soundwave, who, of course, is, you know, sciencey. Mixmaster is one of the Constructicons. And in the cartoon, he's always talking about chemistry and mixing stuff together to do stuff. So it makes sense that he would be there as a scientist. Perceptor when said, is. When you said Mixmaster, my first thought was, is he the Cybertron DJ? Wicked, wicked, wicked. Perceptor is the Autobot microscope and he is famously a scientist in the cartoons um and swerve swerve is a random nobody that i had never heard of before um i don't know of anything about him that makes him a scientist but he's here too <laughs> um so yeah they're all there talking about the destruction the, how they have destroyed cybertron and yeah. um Soundwave is a um, climate change denier <laughs> oh Soundwave. I refuse to accept this. <laughs> he brings in a snowball to the uh, to the convention. If there is still snow. Then how can you say there's? Yeah. Explain <laughs> this. It was but, twenty um, degrees today. Right? How can it be warm if there's? How can it be cold if there's climate change? And then Swerve is there to explain the difference between climate and weather, and you know, then it's just a hot mess. But anyway. Um, <laughs> We do see the beginnings of an idea here that I think is going, if I remember right, is going to kind of cook and develop through this miniseries that the destruction of Cybertron led to something that led to Thunderwing becoming immensely powerful. And at some point after that is when they basically abandoned the planet. Mm -hmm. So these story ideas are what we're going to be finding out more about, hopefully, or at least wondering more about. I do like that they like the story puts blame on both factions for the destruction of the planet and wasn't just mm-hmm. like, you know, Decepticons, all bad guys, Autobots, good guys, Autobots try to save planet. No, like they were both so caught up in their own ideologies and the the war that they didn't they pay attention. Yeah. So what did they they kept on drawing energy and everything? Both sides did. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. 
I'm really interested. I hope we get some more of the flashback of Megatron and Optimus Prime also. Sorry, I think you're about to say something and I jumped no, in. I, no, it's fine. I, I, I like that too. I want to see more of that and what brought them together. I was just going to say that the stripping the planet was randomly reminding me of Krypton, especially the uh, Man of Steel film version of Krypton, where they mm-hmm. just slowly drained the planet of all of its, you know, life supporting energies. Um, speaking of Optimus and Megatron, Optimus's form does not look like what we saw at the end of Infiltration. Um, so I don't know if that's an artist design error or if there's going to be some story development between here and there mm-hmm. that causes him to look different. Um, of course, when the Transformers get to Earth, they tend to have Earthbound mode. So it might be just as simple as him, you know, changing clothes, if you will, <laughs> for being mm-hmm. on Earth. Yeah, has to fit in with the locals. Right. Um, There is a kind of dramatic explosion at the end of this with Kalabi Yao getting blowed up real good. Um, I had said before that I would report if any of our Transformers actually die when they look like they die. But since this is kind of a a cliffhanger, I decided to leave it alone and and let us find out in issue two if they're alive or or dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a couple of them don't look so good. Yeah. Up on that ship nose cone and afterburner i think they are if um they just got missiled so yeah let's find out yeah one other continuity thing did you happen to think whenever Jetfire looked over and saw those glowy tubes that those kind of looked like the tube casings on earth and the nebraska bunker <gasps> i didn't i that, oh, oh interesting let me see let me those see. had humans these i'm i was guessing these are what have his crew his uh, Technobot crew are in those five casings. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's true or not, but it seemed like a reasonable conclusion. Interesting. But are they are they similar or not? I do not know. Because I know in some, I don't know if it was the cartoon or the the Marvel. Um, if they needed to do something, some of them would power down or give up some of their their spark, basically to help energize the skeleton crew that needs to so i didn't know if these tubes had anything to do with some kind of stasis but or if they're being drained of something yeah i feel like there's something scientific going on with either their energy or their technology either being something is being pulled from them or something is being done to them i just don't Mm -hmm. know what it could be um and my last story thought is that these decepticons at the end feel like a cult like they're worshiping Thunderwing. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a coincidence that all of these are pretenders. I keep coming back to that because Thunderwing's a pretender, all five of these guys are pretenders, and I just I I don't know what the story is gonna do with that idea or if it's not gonna do anything with that idea. I just feel like it's I feel like it's more than a coincidence. Mm-hmm. This is where my knowledge of the storyline starts to break down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like there it's are some things much, I know who we're going to go with, but some things I don't remember. Yeah, because it's not too much farther that I, I'll i be breaking new territory into what I've read. Like, I've read this before, but it, it's been a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think Escalation I have not read, and I think that's coming up r- pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Escalation is the next Earthbound series. That it's, it's, it comes out after this. Yeah, so, yeah, I I'll, I can't wait to get to the brand new stuff. Um, but I... Despite my confusion, having to fight a little bit to figure out what was going on here, I love the 
the chaotic feel and I, lo- I really like the the art style. It has a different feel to the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really intrigued by Thunderwing as someone who got Meg- Megatron and Optimus Prime to work together right. and that everyone is so fearful of Thunderwing and for good reason. I mean, he's a beast. Um, yeah, I'm just really curious to see how this storyline progresses. I like that we've sh- we've shifted the scope. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I could have stayed on Earth a bit longer and slowly expanded, but the idea Furman is bringing to us is even though stuff is on Earth, there's also a really big Transformers war out there um, with a lot of other people involved, and so we're we're sort of starting starting to see that. So we've mm-hmm. shifted um, both our focus, we've widened our scope, um, and even though there's a lot of mystery and hence a lot of confusion because of all the characters. Um, if you, if you take a careful reading, you can put enough puzzle pieces together in this to know where their puzzle pieces are missing. Um, which my first read through, I didn't feel that way. I, I, I felt just kind of lost, but um, mm-hmm. going through it a couple of times, I have a bigger appreciation for the story and I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. I wonder if Prowl had an idea of just how, like, I'm, I'm sure he knew what Optimus Prime was partially dealing with with the war and being in this area, why he was so reluctant to send a message to him from Earth. Maybe he's just like, no, he's got his own stuff to handle. And that was before he knew, before Thunderwing. Um, but well, even if yeah. even if it's with Thunderwing, because like like Optimus is bringing all Thunderwing broody. Mm-hmm. maybe prowl is fully aware that there are events going on and there's investigations happening and there are reasons that optimus prime is concerned about the adversary returning and all mm-hmm. this other stuff and so he's like you know what let's just not bother dad right now yeah because reading um infiltration i was very much on ratchet's side and like come on you gotta get this information out there right? and then getting this it's like oh yeah it is kind of like a let's not bother dad right now I can kind of see why Prowl might have been reluctant to do that. So interesting. It's different perspectives, right? You can see the story from different sides, mm-hmm. which is a hallmark of a, a, a you know interesting storytelling. Yeah, definitely. So okay. Any, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna dig in, dig into first appearances. Mm-hmm. So this is a list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Thunderwing is uh, one of our biggest first appearances here. Um, his toy was cool um, because it was not just a pretender in that the robot had a transformation and then has a shell that looks cool. This was the second or third wave of pretenders called mega pretenders where the shell itself also transformed. And mm. so um, the little ship that the robot turned into turned into a bigger ship whenever you combined it with the the shells transformation um so that was kind of neat Jetfire, we've talked about him extensively he's also probably the second the he and thunderwing are probably the two biggest first appearances here um the technobots nose cone afterburner strafe scattershot and light speed in previous continuities and in the toys they combine to form computron but that is not the case here on the station we meet Searchlight. Um, he's a little blue guy who talks to Optimus. Like and his little headlight toes. <laughs> the headlight toes. Is, can you imagine his toes lighting up? He can't see where he's going, so he just turns on his toes. <laughs> he never stubs them on, on the 
coffee table as he's getting his midnight snack. Right. Also on the station, a bunch of non-speaking parts. So Blaster is there. Blaster is a fan fave. Interestingly, though, this is going to turn out to be a continuity error. As Hmm. the story gets further developed, Blaster actually can't be here right now. He's other places. So Furman's like, oh, that's Blaster's twin cousin, Buster. (laughs) Buster (laughs) Witwicky? I don't know. (laughs) So um, it's, you know, not Blaster is up there. Blue Streak is standing beside him. In the flashback conference, we have Soundwave, Mixmaster, Perceptor, and Swerve, in addition to Thunderwing and Jetfire. Um, In the flashback of the battle, we can see in the background behind Optimus and Megatron, we can see Omega Supreme and Trypticon towering Mm. in the background, shooting against Thunderwing. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to the station. There are lots of little bots walking around. So we have Siren. We have the Omnibots, Overdrive, and Downshift. We have Pretenders, Groundbreaker, Gunrunner, and Pincher. We have Action Master Kickoff and the Target Master Crosshairs. They're all just there. Doesn't matter who they are, but they are people that have names. Um, and finally, in the attack on the planet, we have Iguanas, Skullgrin, Finback, Bombburst, and Bludgeon. So lots and lots and lots of uh, nameless faces who do have mm-hmm. names, and TF Wiki is a big help finding out who's who. TF Wiki is awesome. Yes. Um, I, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I when you were going through the list, it made me wonder, does anyone even know that idiom of a blue streak anymore? Like the, the kids these days, do they will they understand if, if someone says, oh, they're, they're talking a blue streak? I don't know, because even in a, a, as a child, whenever or as a young adult, rather, when I first read that Transformers number one, where he's like, people say I talk up a blue streak, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know when I last heard anybody say that. Yeah. That was, you know, 2002 or whatever. Right. And it, I, I, it's funny that his character is a very verbose type of character. But, yeah, it just reminded me like, wow, a lot of these names or at least his name anyway, is something that. A lot of people, like younger generations, might not understand. Like, like when we talk about newspapers, a story being above the fold, um, you don't really hear that anymore. I don't know. It's just I, I kind of love things like that, how language yeah. changes from generation to generation. So The other I thing is that Blue Streak himself does not really get enough screen time or page time for that talkative nature to ever really come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know like, if that's a mercy cutoff from the artist or – yeah. <laughs> we'll just have to take it as read that Blue Streak talks a lot. Yes. So I always like to bring out some notes for the future. And since this is the beginning of a new storyline, there's kind of a lot. Um, there's the obvious stuff like the mystery surrounding Thunderwing. Um, what was the grave sin that is haunting Optimus? Why was Thunderwing so terrible? How did he get to that point after just being a member of the scientist club? Um this is the second more than Energon concept that we've seen because there was the Or 13 on Earth. Um, are they related? Um, since this is the first combiner team that we've seen in the book, I feel like, um, well, I've already said we don't have combiners in this Transformers world. And that's actually a story point for later because there is the combiner wars way down the road. Uh, we can, so we're calling them Technobots. Um, I forgot to mention in our discussion 
Lane, did you happen to notice as Optimus Prime was laying there in the rubble that there was a glowy something in his chest? I didn't notice that. Ooh. Yeah. So the Matrix is there mm-hmm. in his chest. We don't have any specific lore surrounding it in this version of the Transformers that might make this version unique. Um, as it happens, Furman ended up doing stuff with the Matrix idea that made this appearance of it here an error, but then later writers unerred it by explaining it a different way. So the Matrix and what it is and where it's been and everything else is something that we're going to find out more about later. Um, let's see. what a, I was kind of wondering about the station that Optimus Prime is on. We don't know what it's doing. We don't know why they're there. Yeah, and All it seems... It looks more, yeah, like you said, a station. It's it's um looks more observational or uh, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's a, it seems more peaceful than like whatever Jetfire was on. Right, they're in there. They appear to be orbiting some planet that does not appear to be Cybertron. Um, but all of our story in this issue is centered around Cybertron and Thunderwing and what Jetfire and his crew are doing. Mm. Optimus just kind of there. So I guess we'll find out more about that later, hopefully. Um, and again, uh, I've mentioned it before, but just, you know, to bring it to the notes for the future, I am a little bit confused about the Predacon, um, sorry, the Pretender Decepticons, why some of them look to be animalistic rather than robotic. I don't know. Uh, hopefully all of that will get addressed as we go forward. Yeah. But yeah. That's my, all the stuff that I'm wondering about. And you're probably wondering about um, in the um, storyline going forward. Yes. So yeah, anything else about Stormbringer? No, I think I think we covered it. Um, a little chaotic, but intriguing. Mm, yes. So lots going on in between the panels, just because of all the different ideas and characters that are being brought forward here. Yeah, and this is only a four-issue story arc, right? So yeah, I, I feel like it's going to have uh, a pretty fast pace throughout. Hope so. We'll explode here and then go back to Earth with the next miniseries and see what's going on back there. Yes. Hopefully the story ideas that are brought forth in this story are directly relevant to what's mm-hmm. going on, on Earth. Hopefully that's uh, we we spin out and then fold back in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So what are we uh, what are we doing next week? Well, next week we'll be covering Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Infestation 2. And Mm -hmm. that's issue one and two. We're going to be covering both of those. And then two weeks from now, we will have the second um, second issue of the Stormbringer story arc. So come back and join us for those discussions. And uh, anything else, Sean? No, I'm excited to see what Stormbringer has. I'm not as excited about the infestation story, but that's okay. We're (laughs) going to cover it and we're going to have fun and it's going to be great. Yes. All right. Well, until next time, listeners, this has been John and Lane. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of JohnReadsComics.com, home of virtually all of the podcasts produced by me, John Wilson. Each show has its own feed on your favorite podcatcher, or the whole group can be followed under the name John Reads Comics. Remember, there is no H in John. Feedback for all shows can be sent to johnreadscomics at gmail.com, and I will plan to read it on a future episode unless you ask me not to. Follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics, and thank you always for listening to podcasts from johnreadscomics.com. Comics.com.